Um, there's always there's always something we can learn of the future things to come, and there are going to be so many challenges, and there are always in all fields. Um, and but this is a this can be a good thing. Welcome to the Reproducibility Podcast, Season Three. I'm your host today, Will. Uh, I'm a postdoc from the University of Chicago, and where I would like to acknowledge the custodianship of the land by the Kickapoo, Peoria, Miami, and Potawatomi nations. And today I have a very exciting episode. I'm joined by the authors of a very recent fantastic paper on the successes of the credibility revolution by uh, Reproducibility's partner organization, uh, FORT, the Framework for Open and Reproducible Research Training. Uh, so I'm joined by three of the authors. Uh, let's probably go around uh, one by one to introduce them. So first off, Max, would you like to introduce yourself? Give a quick introduction. Sure. Thanks for being here. It's really exciting to be a long-time listener and then to to be on yourself. It's, uh, it's a little unreal, I, I feel. So so yeah, I'm uh, <laughs> Max Korbmacher. So I'm a PhD student at the Western Norway University of Applied Sciences. Um, that's in beautiful Bergen in Norway. And uh, yeah, I do my, my PhD mainly on uh, magnetic resonance imaging biomarkers uh, for health and disease, basically. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Uh, Thomas, how about, how about you go next? Thanks. Uh, hi, I'm Tom. Uh, it's he, him. So I'm an associate professor at the University of Greenwich. Um, so I get put under the box of occupational psychology. That's the, the background of, of some of my initial research. But I think, if, I, if I'm honest, and I can say this and nobody's listening, right? Uh, that's, uh, that's just a little bit of a, uh, a framing uh, where my real passion at is, is around evidence synthesis, evidence evaluation, and meta-research. But um, surprisingly, they don't give out jobs for that. So uh, occupational psychology it is. But it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> it's great to have you on. Um, I suppose we should finish it off with Flavio. So, Hi Flavio, there. would you like to introduce yourself? <laughs> yes. You've been on here before. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Will, for uh, making this invite. Um, I really appreciate it. And it's always a great pleasure to be here um, to introduce myself. I'm, I'm an assistant professor. Uh, at uh, the University of Groningen. I just got that position, super, super happy. Um, and I do research on political psychology, ideology, and these sort of things, but here I'm a member of FORT, um, the Framework for Open Reproducible Research Training, which is just a bunch of folks that get together uh, to hopefully integrate, you know, what we learn from open science into higher education into our pedagogy teachings and all of that beautiful stuff and we are trying with uh doing our best to increase reproducibility rigor and ethics through pedagogical reform uh in meta science so that's basically me and fort thank you yeah wow um i love fort i've been a part of it myself too uh creating a lot of bunch of um online resources and has written a bunch of very impactful papers recently so yeah um i encourage our listeners if you don't know go check out the website now have a quick browse um and then come back to this podcast um but what a great segue to, to into our um, first segment the appetizer where we're going to talk about one of the recent projects the recent papers that came out of fort um and uh, so to sort of set the context, to set the stage, this episode we'll be chatting about um, the narratives around the replication crisis or, and or the credibility revolution. And um, my guests with um, others from Fort published a paper recently that sort of discusses what this narrative is and I felt had a very positive message um, behind uh, the current efforts to improve science. So for, the, for our listeners, um, go ahead and uh, search uh, for Kolbmasha, Asvido, Pennington, et al. Um, the paper is called The Replication Crisis Has Led to Positive Structural, Procedural, and Community Changes, uh, and that's in communication psychology. So I highly encourage our listeners to go check that out um, and come back here. 
So anyway, first I'd like to hear what inspired the paper. What? How did it get started? So these papers sort of does papers don't come out of nowhere. There must have been some sort of discussion that sort of started it all. So I'm curious about how that happened. Perhaps Max, you'd like to share? Yeah, maybe maybe I start because it's um, a little bit like really going back to my days as a bachelor student and master student when I heard the first time about the replication crisis and you know it was um, I think in the second or third bachelor's year and um, I heard the first time about social psychology and all those really exciting findings and you go through the semester and learn all those things and it's it's fantastic and then um, at the very end of the semester there's um, a Neil Kirk coming along and, and um, I'm really thankful for his for his lecture but it's um, it also it taught us a lot but mainly about replication failures and uh, how it's very difficult to publish um, replication studies and we all were a little bit puzzled I think at the end of this and then um, this came a little bit or then it left me a little bit this topic and then it came back in my master studies where we really spent a lot of time um, thanks to uh, Björn Satrevik at the Bergen University, who really makes an effort to teach people here um, about the replication crisis and also a little bit what what can be done. And um, but yeah, in the end, it, it left me a little bit with this feeling of okay, uh, we there all those we've learned all those things about uh, replication failures. We've learned all those things about um, what what's going on, which is maybe not so good, uh, but less. Uh, about what is actually working, what can be practically done. And um, yeah, so there are, I must say, there are, of course, papers, and I must be missing a lot of, of those great papers who are speaking to uh, what has happened in a positive way. Um, for example, there's this uh, Manifesto for Open Science by Munafo and colleagues. You probably all have heard about this one. Um, and of course, then there's also Simin Vazir's perspective of um, thinking about the replication crisis as a credibility revolution, something we can actually learn from, right? Um, so there, there are those things, but I, I still felt a little bit like, um, well, we still need something more feasible, something which people can actually uh, easily get an overview of, because this topic is really big and you first need to go through a lot of papers. So long story short, I just sat down and really tried to to write something down and um, and then I hit the wall and m noticed oh I'm I cannot do this on my own and the people in my lab they didn't have the time so and and luckily I just became a member of Ford and um, there I was so bold <laughs> I would say to just post my idea with a, as a Google Doc and say um, here you go here's an idea maybe somebody's interested and if you want you can can join me on the paper. I'm happy for any feedback. And what I didn't know then <laughs> was that Ford is an absolutely amazing community with so many helpful people. <laughs> so within, I think, two hours, I got maybe 200 comments, <laughs> a slightly overwhelming amount of um, happy people <laughs> and with happy comments and feedback. And um, so this is basically when, when Flavio uh, came in and luckily helped me to organize this project because I I had never done a big project like this before and um, I sort of just hopped into Ford and there I was suddenly um, doing this project. It's so exciting actually. <laughs> There's so many threads I want to pull out from that but first on the most uh, recent one it's how Ford is a community and sort of like maybe I mean I'm sticking with the sort of Ford medieval theme but like comes to arms i guess for each other or like like t like hey someone's like i have an idea and everyone's like yes let's go for it i've definitely felt that wave um before um was that how it felt for you flavio or, or tom um when you saw this paper you were like yes this this is exactly resonating with what i was feeling or is what i needed uh what ne is needed in the field like well, yeah what was the reception to that <laughs> uh from your end um, I have two hats on this. So first, I was super excited that the community is, you know, working as intended, that, you know, we sort of have a, a sort of an ethos that is unspoken, that is unwritten, but we all 
you know, we are very constructive. We are very positive, positive, trying, you know, always trying to help. I think that comes with the whole education, pedagogy, didactics part of part of thing, being more humane when it comes to to looking at open science. And, and that was beautiful. But the other part of me and the organization felt uh, because we, we institutionalized so, sort of proper channels for people to propose projects. And then here comes Max and he came prepared with a Google Doc that people could give comments. So by the time that I looked at it, it was far too late. The snowball was already rolling. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was already rolling. And it, we had just made two projects go through the proper channel, which we have a team ideas where people go and they meet with us. Like they, they come at, you know, there's a whole planning of projects like who can be assigned as lead and all of that. And Max circumvented all of this, but it, you know, it turned out <laughs> to be awesome. Um, it was good. You know, we made it work. I think that, you know, um, um, the important part is that we we were flexible and we you know we talked to max and we were able to uh, uh you know hash out the details and like okay this is an organizational project so let's 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 you know on board the project and, and let's make it work yeah fantastic tom yeah i can i can chip into that i think i always have to be I, i'm always those uh types of individuals who uh see a little project going on and be like yeah I can do something to help, so I'll chip in. And then obviously it spirals and that becomes my daytime job <laughs> is all of these projects that I uh, I, I, uh, I want, I really want to do, but probably don't have the time to, but nevertheless make time to. Um, so I think from a, a more content-based perspective, I think for me, when I saw the, the draft first, I think it was more a matter of what is the, what is the story we're trying to tell? Because I think there's so... It, it, at first, it was a more descriptive, I guess, set of, of comments about some of the changes that have, have followed from the, the replication crisis or the credibility revolution. And I, I think there was, I think there was some some work to be done around trying to provide some structure to that, and in particular to try and give people a little bit of hope and see a little bit more vision, because I think. There's loads of existing literature that summarizes some of the great things that have happened within open scholarship. And, you know, we could all go around the table and pick about three of each. Right. Um, but I think here it was perhaps tapping into some of my own personal uh, existential crises around things like climate change and mm. like worrying that there's a lot of negativity going on. And there's a lot of really awful things happening. The world is on fire and, uh, you know, politics seems to be more corrupt than it has ever been. There seems to be increasing societal uh, fractures. And I don't always necessarily think the best way to move forward is to, to, to focus on the negatives of those. And I think for the, for us, that was a really interesting opportunity to reframe some of the things. So in the same line as, as Vizier's credibility revolution, to really think about what has this done for us? And what then does that mean future crises will have for us? Because I think we're all, we're all aware that this isn't an isolated incident. We're going to have similar sorts of, or have been having similar discussions around measurement, around theory, around all these really important domains of what we do. And I think that this the, the work that, that Max coordinated was, was really important in providing us a framework to, to look at some of those. So looking at how the structures change, how the procedures have changed, how our practices and our communities have changed, and to really focus on those those positive elements where we can see that there's, there's much more room to continue that growth and scope for a little bit more hope. I think hope's the right word. I love that. I love that so much. And I mean, I guess... Let's let's stick with that theme. Um, uh, let's go into our next segment. So for our listeners, um, yeah, check out the paper, read it. I think it's really great. And hopefully you can come back to the rest of this podcast episode with a sense of hope. I guess we'll be looking forward towards discussing what efforts are needed to fortify the credibility <laughs> revolution. <laughs> Sticking around this theme of hope. I think this paper identifies that there's a need to have a narrative of hope, a narrative of um, positivity around our current reform movement, um, as well as potential crises in the future. So I guess my question to my guests here, uh, yeah, how, how important do we think that narrative or that perhaps collective mindset 
uh, is for us, for our reform movement. Uh, Max, um, if you'd like to start us off. Sure. I mean, I came to this from the perspective of a student, and I, I think it's also useful to, to ha take this perspective a little bit, thinking of that um, the future of this of whole endeavor of science is built upon people who come into the sciences and build it further and learn new things. So, and for especially yeah, students and people who come in fresh, it's just good to encourage, first of all, open science and open science behaviors and say, hey, this is a good thing. This is a great thing. Uh, be excited about it. And um, so, so I think, of course, it's important to also talk to all the things which aren't going so well and which aren't great. Um, but I think it's also really useful to, to always supply a, a solution to things, to, to give a to give advice. And um, I guess this is also what you can see in, in all those papers, which are tutorials. Um, they usually get highly cited. They are what people really like. Um, the criticism is also getting getting citations, also useful, but especially for people who come in. They want to know, OK, what can I actually do? Um, so for this, this is probably one of the reasons why I think this positive narrative is uh, helpful. Um, so yeah. I really got a sense for that from the paper because um, I was reading the structural change section and was noticed that it really talked, it really focused on early career researchers, like, for example, embedding this kind of um, uh, open science discussions and things into the curricula, into the graduate research training. It was very much focused on them. It wasn't saying like, current faculty or current researchers need continued training or whatever. It was very much like, hey, we need to inspire the next generation and like um, train them to understand what's going on rather than, and with a, like to, to adopt these open science practices rather than saying everything's on fire, everything's in a crisis, like that's not gonna help. Uh, so I really did, did get a sense for that. Um, does that uh, sound about right? Yeah, if I can chip in, I think what's really driven this um, this revolution is is this greater notion of questioning, questioning ourselves, questioning what we're doing, questioning: Are we going in the right direction? Are we doing the right things? Are we are we working in the way we should? And I think there is an important space within that criticality is to acknowledge positives. And I think it's just like in any feedback situation, right? There are there are times where you'll see on a document and somebody will write something negative and it will be crushing. And other times they will put, I, I'm, I love putting little heart emojis on people's papers at various points when I think it's really good because that's, that is the sort of stuff that just doesn't happen enough. I think there is always a focus mm. on this criticality meaning negative. And I think you can be critical and also demonstrate the value of certain things. And I think that is a key part of, what I think this paper attempts to do is to try and reconstruct that narrative that, that maintains the criticality, right? We still want to question the evidence behind certain practices. We still want to know whether we are doing what we think we are and having the impact we're, we're hoping for. But we also need to acknowledge that there are some major, major transitions within the way we do research, and the way we talk about research that would have been unimaginable just a few years ago. Right. So within the careers of, of, of some researchers, that that would have been considered ridiculous, absurd, never going to happen. And I think it's important to recognize that these developments have been made and there has been a lot of work, not just to to get something together, but to, to make that sustainable. Right. To, to embed that. And people say I, I use that word too much, but to, to have something that is embedded into the culture, into to, the way we do things, the environment. And for that to be you know, focused on the positive, I think is really, really, really important. Yeah, it, I, I totally agree. That it's so important to show that progress has been made and with an eye towards making things better. Exactly. You can, you can easily go in, in reference to like the, the broken science movement, right? There's loads, there's loads of communities, even within open science and open scholarship that have certain ways of, 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 talking about it and critiquing others and I think particularly given the, the stance of, of thought which is to be as you know inclusive and supporting as, as possible I think that's a really important 
kind of marker in the sand to make. And an argument that we make in our uh, manifesto, um, which people also should read. Um, just go read it. It's still a pre- <laughs> just go read it. It's still a, a preprint because um, um, we 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 really think that everybody that comes in at Ford uh, has an opportunity to add something to it. it. It's used as a living document that lays out the vision for the. Um, for the organization and, and but eventually we'll submit this somewhere but you know it describes all the projects etc but it also speaks about giving agency to students uh, whether they are you know thinking about their careers as scientists in the future but also as citizens right um, giving them the agency that they can influence something that is important and shapes a lot society so it's a little bit of that um, breaking the glass ceiling, right? So whenever you're talking about, you know, the replicability crisis or the credibility revolution, um, they feel intimidated. Not they have been, right? Like science is this really big thing, these really amazing things that generates a lot of progress. So you have a tendency, a psychological tendency, to put yourself a little bit more distance from scientists and science themselves, and then you learn about this you know, in a very negative way, which also takes your agency. So we are not even using that to break that glass ceiling. So I think that what this paper does um, is on top of summarizing a lot of the progresses and, you know, has a very nice framework is to break the glass ceiling in the sense of inviting both citizens, but also future academics to have a constructive approach to the improvement of our science. And that, that was the goal behind the scenes of, you know, constantly reshaping uh, and reframing the paper towards that goal. And um, just one more thing, I would say that um, we're now um, working on pedagogical and educational resources for the paper because we, um, another uh, worry that we had is like, okay, this is just a paper, but we think that this should be implemented in, in teaching and in classes might be at the end of the class that you talked about, you know, the replication. So, hey, here's a resource that you can, like, hey, here's some hope. Mm. Here's how you can contribute, right? So um, there will be a page on the Fort website that uh, will provide slides, a syllabus, and a reading list um, of how we conceive of, of uh, a, good, uh, a good course yeah. on this topic as well, led by Max, of course. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, yeah long been a advocate for including these kind of materials in early career researcher courses and training and so on and so forth and yeah there's definitely a space for perspectives on how the change might occur or should occur for example like on this podcast i talk a lot about theory of change like what theory do people have driving the reform that they hope to achieve um and i really love in particular um figure from the paper um so for those of you quickly scan open to to your open tab of the paper um but this uh so as the paper highlights there's three sections the structural change the procedural change and community change and i one really nice feature of this figure which i think people didn't pick up on was that um these changes sort of feed into each other they kind of have arrows that go around in a circle and so it there's not just like, it's not just, hey, there's this positive changes are happening. It's like, these are feeding into each other and we can almost multiply the the um, change that's going on. Uh, yeah, was that the sort of motivation behind that design of that figure? And yeah, that sort of it absolutely was. And I think uh, this was probably also um, a bit what we discussed that that all hang together, all those things. So how do we conceptualize it? Even just like in the text form, and then the the figure really helped to to put to give it a nice, easy overview, I think. And um, yeah, so of course everything hangs together. And mm-hmm. um, I guess this is also why why it feels um, better now than perhaps five years ago or ten years ago, because things are cumulative also in a way that. Um, how the system changes. It doesn't change on one subject or on one side of things um, se- separately and independently, but things move and um, yeah, on all those levels. And yeah, that's that's what we try to show. Yeah. 
you're absolutely right, Max. And I th I think what's what's important here is um, when we discuss reform and when we discuss changing people's practices and behaviours, it's often really seen in that isolation of you know if we only we could get everybody to pre-register their you know particular type of quantitative research they do, but that doesn't actually recognise that there are massive flaws in the mm -hmm. system which we can slowly start to erode with following, you know, adopting some of these behaviours and kind of trying to embed that into the things that we do and the communities we discuss. And I think that's a really miss... I think that's a really missed opportunity for a lot of the the interventions and a lot of the, the practices we see in the open scholarship field, which is people like to have their own initiative, their own thing that they can brand in their own way that obviously helps them for their own personal... Uh, development but what I think sometimes is lacking is the context of okay but if we change this what are all the other consequences to the other stakeholders involved in the research community and how do we make sure that it there's, there's buy-in from each of those groups and that we kind of can churn that to be a, a net positive rather than a, a kind of a continual barrier or a continual challenge that you have to keep uh, addressing and I think that's that's a really important part for me is that you know we can't change anything unless we change you know the way we're assessed and how researchers are evaluated and you know these all feed into the same discussion they're not separate things as much as you can see that there's a little bit of you know it's it's not direct but it's all it's all important in making that transition and that move mm -hmm. but like perhaps different focuses but um similar the same goals the same mission Exactly. And, and when people talk about open scholarship like a buffet, I think that that taps into that, right? You don't have to do everything. You don't have to do every single uh, part of the menu. You just choose what works for you and what works for that context. And you, you push what you can, just in the same way we all do for things like climate change and all these other kind of societal issues we try and challenge together. And that, that's so important that, we, that it's, it's a community effort that we all work together on these, because that's the only way these things work. If you don't get that level of, of movement, those those initiatives and changes are never going to be embedded and, and aren't going to be long-lasting. Um, I just want, just because you made me remember of um, um, Charlotte Pennington's um, book on a student guides on to open science using a replication uh, crisis to reform psychology, that she, the, the whole um, motivation of the book is exactly this and she puts it brilliantly and she's on this paper of course she's uh, along with Thomas um, uh, responsible for the framework and and the whole uh, uh, you know uh, inclusion of education and having those uh, um, uh, thoughts in embedded in into our paper but she couldn't be here today which is uh, very unfortunate but she's enjoying her vacation so that's that's great that she respects her yes. time <laughs> also very um, <laughs> that's very important um, and we miss her, but you know, just to say that uh, I couldn't agree more with this, and 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 th that integration is important, and exactly, you know, that's why we're working at Ford, like to try to make this vision sort of pervade every aspect into higher education, right? It doesn't matter whether you teach, um, um, I don't know, pedagogy, education, um, psychology. Um, um, well, political science, uh, sociology, uh, as long as you include um, uh, how we conceive a science, the actual practices and how we can improve, you're sort of giving agency to, to students um, um, and, and participating them on your own profession and helping them to, you know, aspire uh, to, to what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, to maybe pull in a few more metaphors to try and capture what we're talking about here we've got like i think about like terms like critical mass like you need to build a critical mass um so that and the change can sort of distribute and spread through the network like it won't start from individual efforts just pinging around there's got to be sort of a cohesive everyone together um let's create this change um all at once sort of situation uh, and I also think of a metaphor of like a wave, right? You need something to like, for things to resonate and as they resonate, they build and as they build, it suddenly creates a wave and it crashes down. And we suddenly see the changes that, um, the positive changes that um, we hoped 
we hope to still achieve. Um, do, do those kind of metaphors sound like what we're trying to capture um, capture here? Yeah, it's really funny. I just uh, had had some lectures on magnetic resonance imaging, so there was a lot of waves and a lot of resonance. <laughs> so so that fits. Uh, that was really funny to to think about it like this. Uh, but yeah, the the metaphors are. Uh, uh, very nice yeah i i think i think your wave is is really important because often with these initiatives it can be individuals or very small group of people trying to instigate change and essentially try and convince people that they need to change and this often requires quite a lot of effort on their behalf or at least some some changes to the way they do things but i think because because the, the the replication crisis has given us so many opportunities, it's it's given us loads of little starting points, and I think that's what's been really helpful from that perspective. You know, every time one of those massive paper came out and says, you know, this is a problem or this is part of the problem, I think these are real important motivators for action, and that it's really important that we jump on those to give them that momentum and to try and build that mass. Um, because without it, what you try and what I think some people are quite scared of is it becoming a little bit cultish or a little bit kind of this is my hill that I'm prepared to die on is that we should all be doing this. And I, th I think that doesn't recognize some of the other factors like the context that we just spoke about and, and how you kind of instigate that change in a more sustainable way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and perhaps the wave is also this this nice metaphor of togetherness. So it's like one this one unified thing. So everybody is part of this. It's not like... Um, Yes, the one, the one methodologist and the other one who's, I don't know, may, maybe communicating more or whatever, what, what, whatever sort of differences there are. But um, we're all sort of, it's what you said, it's resonating together in some, at least on some level. And this is how different people, very different people bring this change together. So this, yeah, so I like that. Yeah, nice. There's a quote that I really love in the paper. It's actually, I think, the final sentence in the paper. It's, uh, if I'll just read it out, it's, in outlining multiple positive changes already implemented and embedded, we hope to provide our scientific community with hope and a structure to make further advances in the uh, crises and revolutions to come. I sort of want to try and like press a little bit more on like, what does hope look like there? Like, what what do you imagine when you're you're instilling the community with hope what do you envision um i think we spoke about that sentence quite a while there was quite a few versions <laughs> of that wasn't there <laughs> max go for it well uh, i think i mean it's really hard to to give this last sentence summing up the whole paper and very diff very very different things which are happening in this paper and then also being like okay this is all we presented and now be happy and this is the end um, be, because of course it's not and things going to advance and yes we can call them crisis again or opportunities to learn or revolutions or what, whatever we want to call them um, but yeah this this hope aspect I think is just one thing we should keep thinking about um, there's always there's always something we can learn of the future things to come and there are going to be so many challenges and there are always in all fields um, and but this is a this can be a good thing, um, so um, mm -hmm. yeah. And then, I mean, now I'm repeating myself, I guess. But um, yeah, I think I think people who who come into the field, they 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 are going to be the future. But also, of course, also the people who are here now. And I think we all can learn a massive amount of of uh, great things from from the revolution or from the from the from the crisis to come. Um, so yeah, I think this is, this is a bit of the hope I hope to, <laughs> I hope to put in, but then in one sentence, yeah. <laughs> I think so. One thought that that's, that sparked in me is that there's, I think a lot of academics and scientists, it's not just the early career researchers, but those who have been in the system have been worn down and have been like burnt out, especially under the pressures of the current structures. And this might like, just be that glimmer of hope for them to keep going, to keep continuing and to push for the changes and find that agency that um, Falavi has been talking about as well. I think you're absolutely right. And that's just what I was going to argue. I, I think the hope for me represents the possibility that people can 
have a greater appreciation understanding of the limitations of the system we work within yet still want to try yet still want to keep going to learn some things and perhaps try and do them a little bit better despite all the individual barriers structural barriers that, that they may face I think and I think that's really important that there is whilst there are these continuing struggles and barriers as Max says we're still going to find a way to move forward because what we do is important that seems like a good segue onto our next segment uh, so a lot of our talk has been high and mighty perhaps but perhaps we have some mighty high tea. Um, time to spill some tea where essentially in our podcast, uh, we give our guests a chance to rant about whatever they wish, whatever they like. Maybe you'd like to rant, rant a little bit more about hope. Is there something that's on your mind? <laughs> Go on, Flavio. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Um, I will say that, you know, as we try to highlight in the paper, so many organizations, so many people across the globe with in different disciplines, right? We, we make so much effort to um, include everybody. We all are part of this wave and we are all part of this collective effort to not only improve um, um, the way that we do our science, but its robustness, its transparency and all of that, but also, you know, to hang tight on one another and, and have a sense of community, right? So if there is some tea to spill is that, that we should try to reward um, these communities that are trying to, you know, build community and, and, and find these connections mm -hmm. between one another. And I think we think about that very little, and especially when it comes to our reward system and what we value and what we cite and, um, and how we decide to devote our time, we don't take that too much in consideration. And maybe some of us take it for granted a little bit, I would say. So maybe it could be, you know, a little like, what can we do to keep that hope going? It's probably, you know, looking at um, this paper, but also other papers that try to make the same effort and say, oh, there's linguists here. There's this very open science linguist community. Let me go there. There is this ecologist open science community. Let me go there. Reproducibility, T, uh, and so Ooh. on. So, it, you know, it's just, you know, it's just people doing the best they can. And I think, you know, give us a chance, join us and, um, I'm sure you will find your people too. Oh my gosh, you're gonna you're gonna set me off, Flavio. But you are so you are spot on that we need to also recognize and value the people who are community building or who are trying to um, reform governance or reform the voices that get heard and like are trying to say, hey, we need to bring people together, and I'm gonna put in the effort to do that because. Um, I recognize, or the people who take part in this effort, recognizes that changes and you know progress happens when it happens together. So yes, everyone, um, try and think about who's been helpful building your network and who's been helpful um, creating the structures that have allowed you to reach and find your community and like thank them, I guess, or like say hey i value your work i think that's super important and it's as you said is being taken a little for granted at the moment um, by many people in science and academia let's go one step further than that perhaps if i may which is there are a lot of people within here we go strap yourselves in everybody there are a lot of individuals within the system we work within that have privilege and power and it's really very important about how they exercise that and for what means. And for example, if you are a dean or have a, a superior or in any other way senior role within universities, you have a responsibility to to dictate and to, to, to share the vision of the values and the things that you want to achieve. And I think things like contributing to forts whether that be through time or funding or anything like that, but also acknowledging the really important roles that 
probably everybody who's listening to this podcast does within their institution that are just under-acknowledged, under-appreciated and tend to feel like it's a little bit of a fight, but they do it because they know it's the right thing. And I want to tell the people who are in those positions of power and responsibility that often construct those barriers, give us a chance, right? Use, yield your power for things that you think are useful for us as a scientific community moving forward. And that doesn't mean sending an email saying, that was great, thanks. That means action. And I think that for me is really important that we start to, to transition towards different models and ways of thinking about what it means to be a researcher in, in, in the current environment and, and recognising those much more diverse contributions. Um, does anybody want to take it even further? Yeah, me. <laughs> Go on. For those who um, are in leadership positions, recognise that people are doing things like emotional labour, who are doing the like community building, who are reaching out, who are like taking on extra volunteer effort. Leadership shouldn't be about prestige, shouldn't be about the title or the position. It's about, and it shouldn't be just keeping the same structures, reinforcing them, keeping the same barriers, keeping the same oppression of scientists that's going on. Leadership isn't, is to elevate, to elevate others, to take the, um, to take those chances, to take those opportunities and to contribute in perhaps non-traditional ways and recognizing and valuing that. Yeah, oh. it's visions and value. That's what, if you're in a leadership position, that's what you should be trying to demonstrate. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. Um, <laughs> Spicy enough tea? Yeah, that, that's, that's great for me. Um, I suppose before our listeners desert this podcast because of my incessant need to insert puns at every moment, let's have our delectable dessert segment <laughs> where we um, share a tip with our early career researchers um, a handful guide or tip for navigating science and open science movement. And I think that's a pretty obvious one that comes out of this episode and it's to join thought. Isn't that right? Maybe each of us could share a little experience they've had with Ford and how it's been enriching for each of us. Okay. I, um, I think the main or my, my main advice would be to don't, don't feel small or not useful or something like that. And, um, you you are of value as a no matter at which career stage you know it's if you do the work you you do the work that's great you know and uh, you can be proud of that and there will be people who who will appreciate it and if you search for collaborations then you will you will find those people and go stick stick with it and um, yes Ford is a great is a great place is absolutely a great place for that. If you if you find something else which you, you might go for, then go for that, please. It's um, it's just really there's this notion in academia, I think, of of a hierarchy and of career stages and all those things. And um, well, but in the end, we are we're all researchers if we do research, okay? So um, I would really I would really like to give some yeah, early career researchers that that notion. Yeah, I love that. I love that message. Go ahead if you wanted to, to say more. <laughs> no, no, I think I think I talked about my uh, Ford um, experience, but may, 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 maybe a bit more. So I, I, it was just a really great experience to to work there, even if I didn't know um, so much about the organization and I got into this leadership, or if you will, um, a project lead position. And um, it was really wonderful. Everybody helped me a lot, especially Flavio and, and Tom and... Um, also Charlotte and a few others, which which haven't been mentioned, but um, yeah, I'm I'm just really grateful that I could be a part of this team. And so um, yeah, so that's a good place to start if you if you want to engage with other early career researchers. So yeah, shall I go next? So Flavia can can deliver the final punch, as it were. Um, I've got two things, and I think my my tips are for different people. So my first one is, if you're in a position of power, put your money where your mouth is. Easy. Second one is, there is a lot going on, both within open scholarship, within research, within being a human being. I think my advice would be, reach out. And it might be, it 
to a friend, it might be to the folk community, it might be whatever. Do not struggle alone, because I think there is a lot going on right now which just is changing the way we do things and think about things, and it feels like it's it's never-ending. And I think what's really important is that we, we, we don't always have to move as one, but that we support each other and we do the best for each other. And I think perhaps that's my, my best advice, which is if you struggle with things, reach out. If you want to work on something, reach out and ask. And I think the Fork community is a, a wonderful opportunity if you are wanting more of those opportunities for your career to, to consider. I said basically to Flavio, no, I'm not going to do this next project with you. And then he talks a bit about it and I get quite enthusiastic. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm doing more than I should do. And I think that that <laughs> is a real testament to the fact that there are some, uh, there is vision within Fort, but there are also a lot of really good eggs. There are lovely people who I like to call friends who are within Fort. And uh, I don't think I would have, my career would have been the same had I have not reached out and they reached out to me. So I think it's really important that if you feel that is important, to do so and whether that's you know your mental health your work or anything else that we be kind to each other and, and do our best for each other go on Flavier. i just want to say i just want to say that uh, max and tom's um testimonials um are really 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 inspiring to hear couldn't agree more with them and i thank them for their participation in fort which you know, has been transformative for, for the organization. And um, I, I also like to call uh, them friends and, and uh, uh, I cherish and the opportunity to meet them in person and, 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 and continue that uh, uh, friendship along the way, because that's, you know, it's super online for the super via Slack and all of that. And, but, you know, there's a human side to this. So, um, but in true fashion uh, that we hope is the Fort way, uh, I think as the director of Fort, and, and also thanks to Max and Tom who also propped up Fort, we want to talk about other communities uh, that you can have because maybe education and pedagogy is not your thing. So if it is to read papers, by all means join Reproducibility Tea. There's so many around um, and uh, we are sister organizations I like to call uh, because we literally have the same values. If you're in the UK, consider the UK and reproducibility networks as well. Um, if you're in the US, there's the project tier that deals with a lot of, you know, the reproducible pipeline. There's national reproducibility networks. If you're in economics, there's a reproducibility wiki. If you're in Ireland, um, there's paper trail. If you are in the West Coast of the US, you have bits, which is the, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 I forgot the name, but it's bits and there's a good community there. If you're into teaching and you're um, uh, super into teaching and there is Scrape, right? The Collaborative Replication Education Project, which has amazing people like J Jordan Wanky. In COS, you have amazing folks like Crystal Stettopol and um, Katie Corker and other folks. There is Nowhere Lab where um, it's just like, are you in a global south? Um, or in an underprivileged country where you just want to have that lambda experience, nowhere lab is there. And it doesn't matter where you're from, there is a Breer, which is advancing big team science, reproducible science, and increased representation, which is just like a very good community of folks that are, you know, ascending and, and, and participating into academia and trying to give everybody a home and feel that sense of belonging, right? So there's many places that you can go to find your group and all these communities are great. And, um, and, and I, I can't go without saying, how about OLS, Open Life Science and the Turing Wing. I mean, I'm, I'm so sorry to leave those to last. They are amazing communities. <laughs> so all just to say is, you know, um, there's a lot of hope to go around, uh, join these communities and you will see that uh, there's lots to um, community building. I love that. Uh, I suppose we should end on some little shout outs. If you'd like to let our listeners know um, where they could follow you or find you or reach out to you. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so Max, would you like to just share how we can find you? Sure. You can find me on, on Twitter um, at Korbmachermax. That's K-O-R-B-M-A-C-H-E-R Max, M-A-X, right? 
um, or I don't know, Google Google this complicated name or um, send me an email or whatever if you have any questions or on the podcast or on the paper or I'm really happy to have a chat um, or if it's about something which I said now in the last at the last minute, so which is if you're an early career researcher and you think, um, yeah, how like I mean, how did you do this as a master student? You write a paper and you engage with many senior academics, and this is probably not the most common thing and the most normal thing as I as I see. And um, yeah, I had my struggles as well, and I'm happy to chat about it. And yeah, Tom, would you like to share how we can find you? Uh, I've been getting into forestry and woodland management, so the, probably the best way is to, to get the highest peak that you can find and shout <laughs> towards my general direction. But if that doesn't work, you can always find me uh, on Mastodon. I uh, try to avoid Twitter, although I still exist there in some function, or indeed to drop me an email. And in the spirit of saying that it's important to reach out, if anybody does feel like they're not quite sure where to go or what to do, I'm always an email away. Great. Flavio? Uh, reach uh, out to me at flavio.azevedo um, at ruch.nl, so that's R-U-G, um, and also at Fort, info at fort.org. Uh, it's with two R's, not two T's. Uh, we might buy the URL with two T's because a lot of folks think there's two T's. Um, but, um, and also via Slack, um, um, please join yes. Fort Slack, uh, I think that's where, you know, just we are super open to lurkers. We love lurkers. Stay there, you know, forget that you installed Slack. You know, it can be annoying, uh, but at least to get updated on our projects, on on what we're doing. And uh, yeah, I hope that's, uh, that's a good way to contact us. If there's anything that should take up your attention, sort of by brute force via notifications or so on, Fort is a great thing to be the one taking that attention. Yes, I'd like to uh, emphasize that, um, yeah, you can find all of us on that Fort Slack workspace, um, which is, um, as Flavio and the, hopefully you've gathered from this, this episode, that it's an incredibly open community. And uh, I think all of us would be happy to receive any messages or um, comments there. Um, or complaints. Or complaints. Yeah, feel free to send those complaints, especially at Blog. <laughs> um, it is true. Just... In the website, there's a Google forum about feedback. It's anonymous. If you didn't like something I said, go there and, you know, say your will. Yes. Uh, great. Um, and as always, if you'd like to find or create your own community, go check out uh, reproducibility.org. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you.